Hello, this is Mark Richter with another episode of Linux for the Layman. Want to feel safe, secure, and capable when using your computer? This is for you if you want to succeed and know you can handle your computer tasks with ease. Greetings, welcome to episode 9 of Linux for the Layman, the joy of computing. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the hidden, if you will, second half of the question that was asked, how to upgrade, if you will, from Windows to Ubuntu, and what software to use on Ubuntu once you've upgraded to replace the Windows application software. My best suggestion is to do some research. For example, just now before I started recording this, I did a couple of web searches. I did them in Chrome because I use Chrome a lot, but any web browser is fine. And I'll actually get to that in a couple minutes. The first search I did was Linux alternatives for Photoshop. As you may know, Adobe software in general is not available for Linux at all. Part of the reason for this, I believe, is that it's not free software and they make a pretty good income because they make really good products. Photoshop is one of the most popular photo editing software applications available, period. But you cannot use it on Linux. They don't have a Linux version. Under Linux alternatives for Photoshop, the first hit I got was Best Photoshop Alternatives for Linux by a site called FOSSMint, which is Free Open Source Software Mint, Photoshop Alternatives for Linux. The next one was uh, MakeUseOf.com, the five best Photoshop alternatives you can run on Linux, and so on. It's fairly easy to do this kind of research and you typically will get quite a few responses. I will add though that there is a piece of graphics manipulation software called GIMP which stands for New Image Manipulation Program, I think. Something like that. GIMP is standard with a lot of Linux distributions. In particular, it's standard and comes with Ubuntu. Another thing you'll probably want to find is an alternative to Office. If you've never used Microsoft Office, you're not missing a thing. There are alternatives. I did a Linux Office software search and the first hit that came up from linuxhint.com, top five best MS Office alternatives for Linux in 2020. The number one choice, I would say, that typically shows up is called LibreOffice. LibreOffice is a descendant and enhancement on OpenOffice, which is a descendant from StarOffice, which was an office suite put together by Sun Microsystems way back in the 70s. And it's pretty good. It was used on a lot of systems that don't run Windows. It evolved into OpenOffice when Sun Microsystems went out of business. And then it became 
LibreOffice because a few years ago Oracle took over the ownership of OpenOffice and said they weren't going to do any more development in it and a bunch of people got very upset with this. LibreOffice is the by now much more advanced version and it is supported by the Document Foundation which is an international organization that not only takes care of LibreOffice but they also maintain the open document standard that is internationally accepted. It includes a lot of files that Microsoft Office originally could not handle and more recently they added some amount of handling for it. But Microsoft Office still defaults to its own Microsoft document formats which are not standards and for a long time they would change with every release of Office. Personally I like LibreOffice a lot. I try to keep up with the leading edge releases because I like the new features better. There are other Office software options. There's one called FreeOffice which I tried and it's actually a little bit more Microsoft Office compatible than LibreOffice which is close to 100% compatible. Not quite, but it's very close. And the differences are typically in areas where with a little research you can fix them. For example, I had a document that was created for me as a .docx document, a Microsoft .docx. And when I pulled it into LibreOffice, it came up looking very different and the format was all weird. It turned out that the problem with it was that the document I was given had some fonts in it that LibreOffice didn't have and that I didn't have. When I installed those fonts, everything looked exactly the same. Another one that you might be concerned about, especially if you're a typical layman who uses computers for generic use, would be web browsing. I did a quickie search on the web for best browsers for Linux and there's several hits. 16 best web browsers, the 10 best Linux web browsers, the 9 best and worst Linux web browsers. I'm going to have to look at that one. That looks interesting. Questions that you will probably have about Linux and how can you do this that you used to do in Windows with this app, how can you do that in Linux? My best, strongest suggestion for you is do a little research. If you look around on the web, you'll find a lot of information, some of which is absolute garbage, but for the most part, a lot of the technical information is pretty good. I'm going to take a break for a moment, and when I come back, I'm going to talk about some of the browsers and a little bit more about software on Linux. Hang in there. In brief, Chrome is the most popular browser in the world right now. A lot of people are having some backlash because Chrome is produced by Google and there's a fair amount of backlash on Google for various reasons that I'm not even going to begin to address here. Personally, I don't have an issue with the way Google does business or what they do with my information. Some people do. And I totally appreciate that. Firefox is a descendant of the Netscape browser and when Netscape basically gave up the ghost in computer software, Mozilla, the organization, moved in, took over and created Firefox 
as the free alternative web browser. Mozilla also produces Thunderbird, which is an email handler, and you can look them up for the details. Chrome, the Google Chrome browser, is based on an open source browser called Chromium. There is also Opera, Vivaldi, which is a newer, slimmer version of Opera, Midori, which I've heard good things about, and there are more. The one I've heard about that I actually tried for quite some time was called Brave. It claimed to be more privacy protective than Chrome. And after using it for a while, my experience with it was not great. The worst thing about it, in my opinion, at that time was that I have Netflix because of my phone carrier and I get a really good deal with it. And Brave did not support Netflix. So I'd have to use Chrome to run Netflix anyway. And I got tired of flipping back and forth. There were a few other little things that came along. I don't remember what they were. They probably wouldn't bother most people, but I found them really annoying. So I stopped using it. There is another way to approach this issue if you don't mind having another layer of software between you and your machine that does run on Linux and will support a lot of Windows applications. There are two strong possibilities. The first one I'm going to talk about is a little more complicated, but it's worth knowing about. It's called virtual machines. A virtual machine is a program that acts like it's a computer. You can install software on it as if it were a computer. You can run it on top of your distribution as if it were a computer. The two best reasons for doing this are, one, you have an isolated environment that is very unlikely to hurt your computer in any way, shape, or form, and two, you have the solid, reliable foundation of Linux underneath it. Why do I bring this up? Because you can run Windows as a virtual machine on top of Linux. I have one. When I have to use Windows for any reason at all, I can go there, bring up my Windows virtual machine, and run any Windows software that I want. There are a few catches to this. If you use Windows software to, let's say, you want to update the BIOS in your machine, you cannot do that from a virtual machine. The virtual machine doesn't have a real BIOS, and it won't give you access to the real BIOS. Other than that, it's just like running Windows on its own machine, but you have the security and reliability of Linux underneath, and if something goes wrong in your virtual machine, you can just stop it. You can take periodic snapshots, although they do take up some space, but what that's valuable for is, say you want to install a new piece of software in your Windows virtual machine, and you don't know if it's safe. So you take a snapshot of the machine, which is a recording of what the state of the machine is at this point. Then you install your new software, and if it breaks your virtual machine, you simply go back to the snapshot and run from there. Another way to run Windows software on a Linux-based system is using an application called Wine. Wine stands for Wine is not an emulator. 
it provides the Windows-like interface so that you can run a piece of Windows software with Wine and it will behave very much like the actual software would on a Windows machine. Wine is not a perfect application. Last few times I tried it, it was unable to run Microsoft Office. Period. It just wouldn't do it. There are, I hear, other issues, but you can check it out for yourself. Just look up Wine Windows on Linux, and there are many, many articles that you can find on the web about it. I hope you found this educational, useful, valuable. I hope you found it valuable enough to consider making a contribution. Not required, but I would appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Please feel free to leave me a comment or ask questions. My email address is linuxforthelayman at gmail.com. That's where you can reach me. I hope you found this useful, enjoyable valuable and i hope you'll come back for another episode please do me a favor tell your friends about this if you find it valuable maybe they will too have a wonderful day bye for now